calling all coffee lovers. Every wellpreneur, mom, college student, employee, business owner knows the importance of starting your day off right. But how would it be to add some mushrooms to that coffee? Four Sigmatic Lion's Mane Mushroom Coffee, that is, with its rich, smooth flavor and ground lion's mane mushroom, which has been shown to boost cognition and reduce inflammation, it is my go-to cup of coffee for starting my day off right. Four Sigmatic Lion's Mane Mushroom is the perfect pairing of health and caffeine. Mushroom in your coffee? I'll take it for the added benefits of mental clarity and the smooth, delicious flavor. Try it for yourself. Use code BEWELL for 10% off your purchase at us.foursigmatic.com. Again, that's BEWELL at us.foursigmatic.com. Living, learning, and loving are all experiences that affect each one of us at one time or another. The three L's hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor, is here to help you navigate life in a down-to-earth and realistic way, one podcast episode at a time. Be well and live, learn, and love to the fullest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the three L's. I'm always happy that you're here with me today, but I always get more excited when I have a great guest come on the show. And so today is no exception because I'm excited to welcome Hannah Dorsher, who is an LPC licensed professional counselor in Fort Collins, Colorado, who just opened her private practice in July after working for various mental health agencies for the last 10 years. She specializes in helping clients who may be struggling with anxiety, trauma, a pattern of toxic relationships, breakups, and self-esteem. And so today we're doing a little bit different take on the podcast. We are opening this up to be a candid conversation about business ownership as a mental health private practice owner, almost a Q&A session, if you will. But before I get into all that, Hannah, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. I know, likewise. I'm super excited. So Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? What what ended up making you decide to take the plunge and open up your own business? Sure. Well, that had always kind of been in the cards as soon as I graduated grad school. Um I just wanted to kind of wait for like the right timing, whatever that is. Um, And so this year we kind of had a whirlwind of changes, obviously with um, COVID happening and my practice, my group practice, we basically moved to virtual. Mm. I found out I loved doing that, Um, had no idea that I would like working from home and doing virtual therapy, but I, I found out I loved it. Um, and then because of COVID, I had kind of originally planned on potentially starting a practice in August. Um, but because we moved to virtual so much, um, so fast in March, and then my husband and I moved our wedding up, we just decided to elope in May. Congratulations, by the way, that's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it was. And we just decided, you know, maybe now's a good time. Um, now that, we kind of got the wedding out of the way um, and I was already virtual anyways. And so we just kind of decided, let's take the plunge. Um, 
and see what happens. So the, you know, some of the things I was looking forward to with private practice was just a little more control over my hours. Um, and you know, maybe the number of clients I would see a week, I wanted to have a little bit more say in that. And then obviously the type of clients, um, I was going to be seeing, I wanted to have a little bit more say in that as well. Oh, absolutely. And that is such a beautiful point that business ownership and private practice brings. You get to structure everything the way that you want it to be. So, well, Hannah, I guess I'm curious, um, just to kind of go back. I mean, I know you worked in different agencies for about 10 years, and then it sounds like things really aligned to make starting your practice, you, you know, the right time for you. Mm-hmm. Just, and I know you have questions today too, but I'm curious just to provide information for our listeners who may be thinking about starting a practice. What would you say were some of the necessary preparations that you had to do to really hammer down the startup process? Yeah. So I think number one, I had to work a lot on anxiety Mm. first and foremost, because I had a lot of fear about kind of it almost felt like jumping off a cliff, so to speak, you know, going from working in agencies where you kind of have a set paycheck, it's guaranteed, you know, you're going to make money each month to um, basically being completely in charge of whether or not I get paid, so to speak. Yes. So that was really scary for me. And just the thought of that for um, the last couple of years, it's like, you know, I don't know if I'm quite ready for that. Um, Definitely having my husband, his income what gave me a little bit more confidence that like, you know, even if this is maybe a little negative, but even if I totally flop, like we'll be okay. Yes. Which of course that's not happened. Um, But that definitely, I think the biggest thing was anxiety and confidence. Um, The confidence thing piece came just with, you know, working with clients over time. I started kind of finding my own voice in therapy and, and feeling good about the work I was doing. So that just came with time. Um, and then, like I said, the anxiety piece, that's something I worked with my own therapist on and definitely had the support of my friends and family that was super helpful and encouraging too. So that was a big piece of it. Um, kind of above all the logistic pieces. You got it. I love how vulnerable and open you are with sharing about that because I think that it is probably the most common experience, just like we tell our clients, you know, a lot of the changes that we need to make are mindset related. It is the same experience when you put yourself out there. It's vulnerable in a lot of ways to open up a practice that has your name attached I mean, everything that you just brought up, like I'm totally having flashbacks to when I first opened and similar experience, especially being such a planner. Um, Mm -hmm. I want, I want to know what's my income, what's it going to be like, (laughs) but you can't plan for it. So it's a great personal growth journey. That's how I like to put my positive reframe on it. (laughs) It's totally been that for sure. Just very much a stretching um, for me in a lot of ways, which I, you know, I'm really thankful for and, and so, so glad I did it, um, so far. So that's awesome. I am so glad to hear that. Well, so Hannah, I know that with being new in new ish in the business arena, Mm -hmm. 
what have been maybe questions that have come up for you or helpful pieces of information that you're curious to ask about? Sure. Well, so because I have so much flexibility and kind of freedom with private practice that I never had in any of the agency work that I've done, it's been a little difficult to feel good about sticking to a niche, kind of narrowing down my focus, which, you know, sometimes means saying no to potential Mm -hmm. clients that I feel like maybe I wouldn't be the best fit for, and maybe, you know, my practice isn't the best fit for them. That is really difficult. And I, I honestly didn't expect that to be a hard thing to do. Um, but I feel very pulled to say yes all the time. And so that is something I'd love to hear your feedback on, you know, cause I assume you've probably gotten good at like niching down and being able to kind of say no. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. And just hearing you ask that, I think that as a helper in the helping profession, number one, already what you're speaking to, it's counterintuitive to what we as a provider instinctually want to do. I mean, not to mention that there is the income piece, like you have to earn a certain amount of money. And so to have a client call and, you know, okay, so personal example for me, I am not a substance abuse specialist. Mm -hmm. I am tried and true, high functioning, anxiety, generalized anxiety. That is my absolute niche. So yes, there's been a lot of work surrounding, um, saying no and providing appropriate referrals. I guess, Hannah, my first question is what is your ideal? How many clients do you want to see on a weekly basis? What's your sweet spot? So right now I'm really happy between 15 and 20. Oh, good number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where I just want to hang out. I've been used to seeing upwards of like you know, 30 sessions. Yes. So I'm really enjoying like a little bit slower pace. So that's where I'd like to hang out. Okay. And are you getting closer to having that ideal number? I am, which is super exciting. So I'm not quite there yet, but definitely creeping closer. Okay. Beautiful. Well, congratulations. So the, the thing that I would always encourage you to do is are you are you doing all of your admins or are you the one responding to inquiries and emails and such? Yep. It's, it's a one woman show. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I did that for the first two, two, three years. Definitely. Yeah. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. When somebody calls, do you have almost a script where you're asking a series of questions? Do you mind sharing with me what's bringing you in? I, well, I always go into what's, you know, what's bringing you in. I don't think I probably have a tailored enough, um, you know, series of questions that maybe really gets at whether or not they're the, they, that client would be the greatest fit. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's an area that I would need to develop some just like more tailored questions to my niches. I would 100% recommend that. Um, I, I'm huge advocate of scripting. So back when I answered the phone, my, you know, cause I know that an intake phone call, I mean, sometimes when, especially when people find out that you're the therapist and you're answering the phone, they sure. want to jump into uh-huh. everything. <laughs> and it got to where Hannah, like my calls would be seven minutes. Yeah. That's it. Well, I, 
I did, I didn't, I don't ever offer free consultations because number one, at this point I'm too busy, but number two, um, it, it just becomes too much. So <laughs> the more scripted that you can be, even in that initial early set of questions, you know, if somebody says, well, um, my significant other just broke up with me. You know, they said that I was drinking too much and you know, okay, I don't work with substance abuse and you pick up on that as a great clinician that you are. That's when you know, hey, you know, I'm hearing you mention substance abuse. I think at this point, I'm going to refer you to a substance abuse provider mm -hmm. who can do the dual um dual therapy for both issues versus me who only specializes in toxic relationships and breakups. Sure. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, definitely go with the scripting. Um, and then also, Hannah, sometimes, and this still happens, sometimes you don't realize that somebody isn't in your ideal niche until you've met with them two to three sessions. Has that ever happened? Oh yeah, definitely. So what's your process for managing when that comes up? Well, at this point, it's kind of been like, we'll just roll with it because mm -hmm. that's what I've been so like trained to do, um, which I'm really trying to break that habit. So, you know, at this point I haven't been referring people out if they've, because I do have substance abuse history mm -hmm. um, or credentials and training. And I've worked in various substance abuse agencies, but I am so trying to move away from that. Um, so when somebody does bring up something that's not in my current niche, but I absolutely have the experience and training to, to work with it. I still feel that, you know, pressure to like, well, it's okay. Let's just bend the, bend my rule this time and work with this person. So that's another thing that I would need. Um, probably a little process on as well. Okay. So, um, do you feel good about bending the rules or what is that experience like for you? Uh, most of the time, no, every okay. now and then it feels like, okay, that was an appropriate choice and I feel like that's fine. Um, but most of the time when I bend a rule, it, it feels like I've just pushed my boundary and I don't feel good about it. 100 and a million percent. I could not agree with you more. Anytime in my, in the past, um, where I have, you know, allowed somebody to stick with me or slide through, yeah. Hannah, it, it, it's not good for us as the clinician. Yeah. So in those moments, whereas it can be, um, difficult to, especially after you've developed rapport, you have to remember, why did I create my practice? Right. You know, remember your why. What was the reason behind seeing my ideal population? And then I also think about as clinicians, I mean, just to hear you talk about you've had experience and training in substance abuse. 100%. I mean, I worked at a methadone clinic. Um, I created a whole dual diagnosis program that ran on a six-week basis. But Hannah, when it comes down to it, that is not where my love, my passion, and my joy for providing right. treatment comes from. And for me, it's a lot of my own mindset of remembering if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, how is that going to necessarily come through in the treatment that I'm providing? Right. So I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that's totally, totally a valid point. 
you know, and, and that goes back to the why, like you said, Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be working with people who have issues I'm super passionate about because at the end of the day, I feel like that's where my best work is. Um, yes. So deviating from that, obviously, you know, probably cheapens the experience for the client too. And that's obviously not what I want to be providing at all. You got it. And it's almost, I feel like, um, not to get like super psychoanalytical on mm-hmm. this whole experience, but it is just such like, it taps into so much about who we are as people. It is, it is in a lot of ways, you know, it feels strange. Cause I can certainly remember writing up my, my termination letter, uh, you know, cause I always provide a referral mm-hmm. letter with resources of community people who I know specialize in an issue and, you know, it can feel almost strange, even though you have that background in substance abuse or whatever to refer out. And in that moment, it has to become, okay, this is business. This is how I'm creating my practice. And, you know, unfortunately, this issue doesn't go into what I'm currently wanting to do. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think that, I mean, I definitely need to focus on that as one of the big boundaries, um, which it's just, it's so difficult. (laughs) Like I never thought again, I think I might've said this when we first talked about doing this podcast, but I never expected some of these, um, some of these issues to be as like difficult Mm -hmm. uh, when I set out to make a private practice. So it's just surprising. It is. It is. And it's surprising even after, so I just hit, um, I'm almost done with my fourth year here in a couple months Wow. and I still, there are still situations that come up and I'm like, what, what the hell is this? <laughs> like what just happened, you know? Um, and I think that's where you regroup and you remember, you know, your mission statement and why you're doing what you're doing. The other piece is in your informed consent, do you have like a little blurb about if I feel like you need um, a different level of treatment or you're not benefiting from therapy that we will talk about termination? Anything? Yes, I totally do. Perfect. Well, then there you go. That is also you as the professional getting to decide Hey, I don't think that in my clinical opinion, I don't think this is the best fit anymore. Um, and leaning heavily on those intake documents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, because what what good point? I mean, what is the purpose of having great policies if we uh-huh. don't use them? That's what they're there for. Exactly. Yeah. So I know that that you know, you had mentioned wanting to bring up too either, you know, boundaries in business and the whole late cancel or no show fees. Where, where's your head at with all of that? So once again, I feel like I have this, um, these, you know, whether they're habits or maybe it's good training, I'm not sure, but these things I bring from all these other, um, experiences and workplaces that I'm debating on, you know, is this something I really want to keep or do I want to let go? So right now what I had been taught is basically late is late and that's it. Like there is no wiggle room and you just, that's what the policy is. Um, which I feel okay if it's a no show, like I, I would charge for that. That's not a problem. Okay. Um, Or if it's, you know, a, a recurrent thing that happens all the time, I feel, I feel fine doing that. 
But when it's like, oh, I feel sick or an emergency came up, I really feel like it's okay to kind of case by case be lenient on that, mm-hmm. uh, which is not what I was doing before and not what I was taught. So that also is like, is this the right thing to be doing or should I just be more black and white with this? Okay. Okay. So um, if, if a client for me, uh, okay, if somebody... Now, when you say late is late, what is your late cancellation policy? Do they need it's, to give 24, 48 hours? It's 24. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Um, so my two exceptions to the rule, and I don't necessarily like broadcast this um, to anyone, but I know that when it comes up, if someone is sick or feeling ill, mm-hmm. 100%. I'm going to waive that late cancel fee because sometimes you wake up the morning of your appointment and you are just not feeling good. I would be, I, I, that's where I really try to practice empathy. If I were super ill and I contact my, you know, I don't care if it's a hairdresser or a therapist or whomever, and they're going to slap, you know, cause my cancel fee is full session, mm-hmm. you know, 125, 150 fee on me. Hannah, I'm, I'm going to be upset. I'm not going to go yeah, back to that absolutely. person. Um, or if it is an emergency, even if it is a no-show, and this has been a great client, and they email me and they say, after the fact, I got into a car accident. Right. You know, I if I went ahead and charged that fee, there have been times where I've reimbursed it and said, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, like, I totally get it. Um, so my take on late cancel no-show you have to do what feels most comfortable to you. Mm-hmm. If you're going against your own empathetic belief system by, okay, well, I've always been taught if they're sick, I'm going to, I'm going to charge them anyways. You're not going to feel the the most empowered about it. And right. it, it just, it's not going to be productive for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, that's kind of where I was leaning is I guess the empathetic late cancel. Um, yes. Yeah. Now, if it, if that became a consistent experience, like you were saying a hundred percent, that's when it's time to address it and possibly like refer them out to somebody else or question, are you serious about treatment? Um, but certainly even to this day, I really have an issue. I hate charging a no Mm -hmm. show or late cancel fee. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not fun. Um, so, but then you, as a business owner have to realize, well, it's a fee for service. And if I don't collect money, I can't sustain, I can't stay open. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds, that's helpful just to get other, other feedback on that. Um, cause like I said, it's been so ingrained to do like such a very black and white policy. Um, you got it. Which didn't always feel very good. No. And for me, I mean, when I first started, I worked in agencies where there was no late cancel or no show fee. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was, I mean, I always, my bulk of my experience is an inpatient. So obviously there's not going to be one, but even sure. outpatient, you know, um, I just had a free hour to do documentation. So <laughs> It's, it was a a difficult mindset shift, but now, um, time in in the most realistic sense of the word, time is money. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. That is really helpful. Good. Okay. I'm so glad. Now, how about um, any other boundaries, like whether establishing your hours for your practice or just any, any other tidbits or questions that come up for you? Yeah, definitely. I've got kind of two other main things. Mm -hmm. Um, The first you kind of mentioned it is hours. Um, So obviously that goes again back to the why I even started private practice, which is to have more control over my hours and ultimately a better, um, a better balance in my life. Um, Specifically giving myself more time with like personal life stuff. Um, that being said, what I've kind of set as hours is basically like nine to five Monday through Thursday. Okay. Um, and once again, I feel pushed when somebody says, Oh, I can only meet on a Friday to almost like, Oh, I should offer that then rather than just say, well, you know, I don't work Fridays would Thursday evening work or something. Um, and I, I've fudged that a little bit one time. I haven't done it since because. Yeah. It just kind of was like, you know, why did you do that? (laughs) We're not trying to repeat what we were doing before. So, um, but yeah, how do you handle, I mean, how do you just feel good about being firm in that? So I, uh, okay. So I think back to the most stressful period of my career. Um, and this was when, I mean, uh, aside from many others, but as far as being a private practice owner, At one point, Hannah, I was seeing 37 to 40 plus people in a week. I was working five days a week and I was so tired and so exhausted, um, gained about 10 pounds because I couldn't work out. Yeah. So anytime, and I knew, I said, something has to change. I cannot live like this. This is not fair to me or my husband or anybody. Mm -hmm. And- so my now I don't even think twice because I remember how unhealthy and unhappy I felt at that period in my practice. Mm-hmm. I never want to repeat that cycle. Um, so the way I phrase it, when somebody asks me, which happens all the time, you know, I, I, I only see clients Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I'm about to knock off one of those days and okay. work two days a week. Um, I just let them know I'm out of the office on Tuesdays and Fridays and I don't ever work weekends. Okay. And it's also listed on my website in detail. Okay. Exactly what my hours are because I, I know my population. I work with a lot of high achieving type A clients who have anxiety. They are typically very successful. They work nine to five mm-hmm. and I may not be the provider for them. If I don't, I don't, I don't offer evening hours at all. I'm strictly eight to four or eight mm-hmm. to five. And if, if they can't get off of work, um, then I'm okay with them. You know, go, a client has to go see a therapist where their schedule aligns. Right. Mm -hmm. However, I will share that adding it on your website, that's a super helpful screening tool and feeling really comfortable, just matter of factly, um, you know, I'm out of the office on this date, these days, I'm never, I'm never available. Okay. And, And then just make sure Hannah, anytime this was something I had to get used to. We hear about this a lot, especially surrounding fees. Mm-hmm. Somebody would call calls you and they're like, I really need an appointment on Friday. 
and you, you know, you say, well, I, I don't offer sessions and it's because I just only do four days a week and mm-hmm. be careful. Just when you state your, your hours, pause and sit in silence. Yeah. Personalizer justified because the before you know it, you can end up talking yourself out and saying, well, all right, it's just one session. I'll do it. That's totally what I did last time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm so Fridays, but, you know, and oh. so, yeah, totally. I think that, that period needs to happen a little bit sooner. You got it. You got it. Um, definitely. Cause we want to be accommodating, but also how are we going to be the best providers possible if we're not even holding up our own boundaries. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Okay. Yes. Definitely adding that to my website, I think would be helpful. I have it on my Google business, but not on my actual website. So I'm definitely going to do that. And then maybe just practice saying these are my hours period. You just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. On, on your um, website, um, you know, I try to provide way too much information. Mm-hmm. Like I provide the intake process. Like I use simple practice. So I let people know, expect an email, please complete list prior to coming in. I'm only available these hours. Um, anything that somebody in my experience of owning this business has asked me and I, you know, I'm big into systems. So I want to answer a question before it even gets to my phone sure. or my admin assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome feedback. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Um, well, the, the last thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, and this maybe ties into that, but as sure. far as like when a client reaches out to you after hours, um, what's your, what do you do with that? Because once again, I was kind of taught that you reach out or if a client reaches out, you just respond it immediately. Like it doesn't matter if you're at home or you're tired, you just respond, um, which I don't want to be doing, obviously. <laughs> no. um, so what is your, what's your philosophy with that if someone reaches out after hours? Absolutely. Okay. So that was also a personal transition. Um, but after I realized that on a Saturday night and I, when I was still answering my phone Mm -hmm. one time, this is the best example. It was Saturday night at eight o'clock at night. I heard my private practice. Uh, I have a separate cell phone. I heard it ringing and I looked at my husband and I was like, should I go answer it? And you know, he's not a business owner. He's like, yeah, maybe it could be an emergency. And I sat there on a Saturday night and ended up being on the phone for 30 minutes. This was like my first several months of ownership. And Hannah, no, (laughs) never again. My policy is whatever my hours are on my website, that's when I'm able to be in communication. Okay. We are not an on-call service. Right. Or are we an emergency department? So- I would make sure, I'm sure you probably already have this, but on your voicemail, make sure Mm -hmm. that first sentence, if this is an emergency, please hang up and dial 911 or go to your nearest ED. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then in terms of emails, so for me, I'm super, I like to be really quick with responses and it would like give me this internal anxiety Mm -hmm. if I knew, oh my gosh, three people emailed me. At seven o'clock at night, all I would have to do is sit down and email them back. So I use um, G Suite. Oh, uh, 
yeah. And, and G Suite allows you to schedule your emails to go out. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, and it's, I don't know what email service you are using right now, um, but most of them should let you schedule out when your emails go out. Okay. Awesome. I I'm using G suite too. So it should, I should be able to figure that out. Perfect. You know, right. Um, on the send button, there's like a little tab that you can press and you can schedule. So if I get an email at eight o'clock at night, um, I don't, you know, I honestly don't even do this a whole lot anymore. Uh, so let's say it's on a Friday after hours, I get an email. I schedule that email to be sent out Monday morning at 8 a.m. Okay. And it's, it's just, it's a crossing off the to-do list. You know, you know that it's going to go to their inbox. Um, it's off your brain, but absolutely. That is such a big mindset shift and boundaries. Yeah. Cause we, we can't be working all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I think maybe a separate cell phone would be really helpful for that too. Cause right now yes. I'm not, I'm using one cell phone for everything. So, you know, it's hard to not see like a, a, a call come in and then mm-hmm. like I get a little bit of that, like anxiety of like, Oh, what if it's like a new client or what if it's an emergency? So. Yes. Um, and do are you using like Google voice or mm-hmm. a platform? Uh-huh. Yeah. So for me, and I feel like this is so largely dependent on personality. I knew from the get go, Hannah, I'm, my mom calls me like Johnny on the spot because <laughs> somebody comes to me, I'm like right on top of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I knew if I did Google voice and I had the influx of all the calls, I, I would never be able to take pause. So for, I mean, a cell phone, you can get an old model of a cell phone. So it doesn't have to be anything fancy. I don't text clients. I only call if needed mm-hmm. um, and just have a totally separate line. That way, when it's five o'clock, you keep the phone in your office. You don't have to have it with you. Right. Um, definitely. Okay. I think that would be super helpful because it's really hard to ignore that little like red, you know, uh, number that tells you you've missed something. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Okay. And then do you go over this in your, well, maybe it's on your website, but, um, do you go over this in an intake that you are not available to be contacted after business hours, you'd get back to them the next business day? So in my intake form, I let clients know essentially that if it's an emergency, you are encouraged to go immediately to an urgent care or an emergency department. Mm -hmm. However, if it is a distressing clinical event in rare occasions, very rare occasions upon my availability, I can speak to you for half of the session time and, um, you know, that's half the session costs, uh, at that point. And I'll be honest, Hannah, no, hardly anybody has ever taken me up on that. Um, because my clients know, like if if the schedule is tight, right. it's, It's really tight. And I'm not in the position to make an emergency phone call per se. Mm hmm. 
And if it is an emergency, I'm probably, I'm just going to tell you, you got to go straight to the emergency department. You know, if a family member is suicidal, if you're feeling suicidal and go from there. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Setting up that boundary right at the very beginning. You got it. That, that would be the other suggestion. Um, I would just really take time in, in your first session, whether it's like, you know, however long it takes and the biggies. Cause I know my intake packet is super long. Right. But I'm, I'm going to go over all of the main points mm-hmm. that are just of utmost importance so that from the get go, the therapeutic relationship flows on easily. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's really helpful to hear that too. Cause I think that's, that's how I want to be <laughs> like conducting business. Um, and so that just gives me some better framework to make that actually happen. Absolutely. Yeah. The biggest thing is remember, I think remembering your why, you know, what made me want to go out on my own, sticking to your hours and not working. That's, I think for me, it's, especially cause I'm working from home right now too. Mm-hmm. Our office is accessible 24 seven. Right. So it's yeah. like remembering this is just like if we worked for somebody when I leave the office, you know, when I close my little office door at my house, I'm done. Yeah. I cannot keep going back there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this. I think this will be so helpful because Hannah, you know, as you, as I even alluded to, like so much of what you asked me, that is so par for the course in starting a business. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking time to give me some of this feedback one-on-one that is like hugely helpful. So I'm so glad. Yeah. Well, I really look forward to staying in touch with you. If people want to connect with you too, just as like a fellow new private practice owner, where can they connect? Sure. So my Instagram is a good place. Um, my Instagram name is just Hannah Dorsher LPC. Um, and then anyone's always welcome to give me an email too. And that's just Hannah at Hannah com. That's awesome. Okay, Hannah. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we did this. Yeah, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. You got it. Okay, I'll see you probably around Instagram. All right. (laughs) I'll talk to you later. Thank you. You got it. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to the three L's today. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or consider giving a rating, especially on Apple podcasts so that more people can find the three L's and tune in as well. Also feel free to follow me on Instagram at Rachel and Dine counseling for daily motivation and to request certain topics you want to hear more about. Here's hoping that you live, learn and love to the fullest.